0: Back to the bookcast. I am DL White, Atlanta-based author of romantic fiction featuring black men and women. And the bookcast is my audio platform for reading short works and my new release, The Never List. And we are um at uh episode 12, I believe. Um reading the last two chapters. We have actually the last chapter of the book and a sweet, sweet epilogue, which I'm really excited to get to let me just say it one more time. You can pick up this book in ebook and paperback at books by slash books. You of course can pick up the podcast at any podcast catcher that you uh, that you like to listen to. If there's one that you like to listen to and you can't pick up the bookcast, let me know. I'll do my best to upload it there. You can buy this book in paperback at uh, bookshop.org. You can also hit um, that if you go to my website and hit on the book cover, um, it'll show you everywhere that you can buy this book, including bookshop.org to support your local indie bookstore. You can also borrow this book on Scribd and you should soon, soon, soon be able, oh, we are on overdrive. We are on overdrive. You can borrow this book at your library, request this book at your library and borrow the ebook there. Um, With all of that minutia taken care of, and if my neighbor with the really, really loud car is done zipping up and down the street, we can get started. Chapter 31. Esme. Happy birthday, Aunt Esme. Thank you, sweet Samuel. I bent to let my nephew give me a kiss on the cheek and held out my arm to fold Georgia into a hug. Having fulfilled their required greetings, they rushed past me to the living room to say hi to O'Neill and their cousins, Leah and Courtney. Joe and Jada were making lunch, and Cora and Jewel took their time walking up the front sidewalk. The Whitakers didn't need any excuse to gather, but birthdays were a family affair. We were only missing my parents, but we'd probably Skype with them once everyone sat down to eat. I was giddy, knowing the family had set aside time to celebrate me. O'Neill made sure he was home. Jado took the day off from the salon and Corey and the kids took the weekend off from trivia challenges and math Olympics activities. This wasn't any old birthday. It was my 40th. I'd been alive for four decades, nearly half a century, and I was still learning, still growing, still becoming me. At my big age, I was still doing things for the first time, making career moves and falling in love. Aside from O'Neill, none of my family had met Trey. He was coming over for my birthday lunch, and I was nervous. Not that they wouldn't like him, but that they would be themselves. I'd already warned Trey about them. He admitted to being jealous that I'd had what seemed like an above-average childhood and a great relationship with my parents, siblings, and cousins. Therapy was stirring up all sorts of feelings for Trey. He'd already helped me over so many hurdles in the weeks since we'd met. The least that I could do was lay next to him in a dewy, post-coital heap and listen to him process the thoughts that kept him awake at night. I didn't picture myself as one of those women that put a lot of stock in a sexual relationship and how it changed a connection with a person, but man, was I wrong about that. The instant that I crossed that line with Trey, so much changed for me. I wanted more, needed more, and felt that I deserved more, and right there with me was a man willing to give me more. I wouldn't be true to myself if I didn't give him a chance to give me more. Jewel and Cory had just made it into the house when Trace Acadia pulled into the driveway behind Cory's Jeep. I rushed out of the front door and down the sidewalk and shot my arms up and out to pull him into a hug. He was casually sexy in a pair of dark, relaxed-fit jeans and a long-sleeved t-shirt since autumn had officially arrived in Atlanta, and the air carried a crispness to it. He'd shown up the night before with a cut and a nice beard trim. Now he had a fresh face and appeared well-rested, though I knew full well that he was not. Neither was I. Hey, girl, he said, his mouth muffled against my shoulder, squeezing me as I squeezed him back. He lifted his head, and I turned mine. Our lips met in a long, sweet kiss that left both of us groaning. I finally pulled back, smoothing my arms down the soft cotton of his shirt until I felt his hands in mine. Hi, it's good to see you. Back at you. He brushed a thumb across my cheek, then leaned in for another kiss. It's almost like I didn't just leave here a few hours ago. I giggled aloud at us earlier that morning, trying to get in a few minutes of what we thought was quiet sex before he had to leave to meet his parents and sister for breakfast. After I walked him to the door, I went back upstairs to find O'Neill standing in the middle of the hall, pulling earbuds from his ears. Look here, cousin, said O'Neill. his voice gritty from sleep. I need some kind of warning if y'all are gonna fuck like sailors on shore leave before sunrise. You know what, O'Neill? I have a lot of time to make up for. If Trey's vehicle is in the driveway, we're gonna fuck like sailors on shore leave whenever we like. I marched past him into my bedroom and shut the door in his face. Are you ready for this? I asked Trey. I've already met O'Neill." How much worse could they be? It's O'Neill times four. They literally have no chill. I want you to know that you're a big, strong man and you can take it. Trey dropped an arm over my shoulder and began walking up the driveway with me. I think I'll be okay. We stepped inside the house to find everyone in the living room, not even trying to hide that they were all watching at the window and waiting for us to come inside. Since everyone was standing there, I made quick introductions. So, this is Trey. My dude, my guy, my partner in doing dumb shit we could probably get arrested for. I glanced at him. He glanced at me, and we laughed, knowing we were both thinking about that night and his half-built house when we really got to know each other. Um This is my bond, I told Trey. My strength, my guidance, my wisdom, my fun, everything that I am, they made me. I mean, my parents gave me life and whatever, but my sisters and O'Neill are my heart. Trey got long, tight hugs from my sisters, daps from the kids, and a head nod from O'Neill. Joe and Corey came forward to give Trey strong handshakes and slaps on the back. What about your brothers in law Went not your heart? Joe's long, thin face bore a constant, serious affect, but I saw the mirth in his eyes. He worshipped the ground my sister walked on, and I loved him for it. The brothers I never had. You said I was a brother you never had, O'Neal grumbled. Jules started waving us all into the dining room. Lunch smelled delicious. Grilled herb and garlic salmon, lump crab cakes, and crispy lemony vegetables with cheesecake for dessert was my request, and I was ready to eat. Come on, y'all, before we start fighting about who Esme loves more. I don't really want to go up against Trey on this one. A few hours later, we all found a spot to recover from having eaten every piece of food available on the table. Joe was magic in the kitchen and had handled most of the meal himself. Jada made the crab cakes and Jewel brought dessert. In the middle of the meal, we stopped to Skype our parents in Palm Springs. Trey met them digitally, but promised to meet them properly when they returned to Atlanta before Christmas. When do we tell Aunt Esme about the surprise? Courtney, who was on his second serving of cheesecake, blurted as he walked out of the kitchen. Boy, I told you to hush, yelled Jada. Uh, no. Courtney should say more. What surprise? Trey sat up. I'd been leaning against him, tucked into a corner of the couch while we watched an old episode of Bernie Mac on Deaf Comedy Jam. O'Neill lowered the volume on the TV. I guess that's my cue. What's your cue? What surprise? First of all, baby, I lied to you. I sat upright, fully upright, on the edge of the couch. When? About what? I've met your family. Your sisters, at least. Don't you recognize Jada's skills on my hair? My beard? He leaned over to let me look, like I cared about his hair at a time like this. Somebody better say something to me. What are y'all talking about? I went to Jada's shop about a week after we got back from Myrtle Beach. I wanted to meet her, but I didn't think you were ready to introduce us. I asked her not to tell you that I stopped by, but I wanted to set up a meet with me, her, and Jewel. My eyes narrowed as I bounced my eyes from Trey to Jada and back. Uh Uh-huh. Anyway, we all met last night to talk about, well, today. Oh, so lunch and everything? Yes, lunch with everyone that loves you, including your parents. But we have another surprise for you. Can't tell you what it is, but do you trust me? Oh hell no. After an hour and a half of driving, Trey exited onto a service road that wound up into the Tennessee mountains. And after a few miles on that road, followed by my sisters and their families and their vehicles behind us, Trey turned into the parking lot of a small ramshackle building set in the middle of nowhere. I wasn't so much concerned about the building, but the sign that loomed over it filled me with fear. Adventuresome. Balloon ride. Bungee jumping. Zip lining. What do you mean, hell no? Exactly what the fuck I said, Trey. Hell no. After all of those things you crossed off of your list, you are gonna punk out on this? Are you serious? I rode an elevator to the roof. I jumped over kid lasers. You also flew in an airplane and rode a Ferris wheel. Which of these insane daredevil activities did you sign me up for without asking? Bungee jumping. The one thing I always ask you not to set up. I am not in the mood for this. As You said you trusted me. This is going to be like all the other things we did together. It's going to be like getting on the Ferris wheel and dancing on the roof and swimming in the ocean and riding on a sailboat and petting a cute baby goat. Except it's not, I shot back. Except this one is actually extreme and dangerous and legitimately scary. I get that. But you were scared before and you didn't punk out. I'm here and we can do this together. Your whole family is here. Trey pointed out of the window on my side of the car. I looked up to see my sisters, my brothers-in-law, my nieces, and my nephews standing outside the vehicle waiting for us. You're not going to let them down, are you? So you told them I was going to do this. I told them that I was bringing you here and that not doing it was going to be your choice, but I would be here to do it with you if you chose to. And did they tell you that I would cuss you out because you're out of your fucking mind and you need to turn this vehicle around and drive me back home? Yes, they did. And I told them that my girl was a badass that would eat this bungee jump for lunch. I glared. How dare you bring up badass Esme when you want me to do some fuck shit like jump off a bridge? You know what, Es? Remember when we went for breakfast and I asked you about your list and you said that you were going to finish with or without me? back when you didn't encourage me to jump off a bridge? I got a little twinge in my chest when you said, with or without me. I felt a way about you doing something that terrifies you or gives you a second thought without somebody there to support you, hype you up, tell you that you can do this shit, somebody by your side to show you that I care about you and that I'm always going to be here for you. So you brought me here to do a thing I would never do. Trey reached across the console for my hand. For some reason, I let him weave his fingers between mine instead of reaching for the steering wheel to drive me home. You haven't finished your list, as he said, his tone much softer than before. Number three on your never list was be daring. You remember? Would you really never let us be joined together, step out there together, jump together? Never? I had hoped that he wouldn't notice I had one last adventure to complete, I'd already accomplished so much above and beyond the list. It was no longer meaningful to me, so much so that I'd already put it in a scrapbook where I'd probably not see it again. Trey, S. I'm doing this, Your family is doing this, are you going to sit in this truck and watch us do it, or are you going to put away everything you were afraid of, let us surround and support you, step out with us and conquer this one little thing? I fully resent you calling it this one little thing. It is literally jumping off a bridge. With me, you want us to die together then? Baby, I've got you. Have I not had you this whole time? Everything on your list that you've had to do, I've helped you, right? I almost laughed out loud. I knew what he thought he was doing, planning this event and inviting my family, knowing that I'd probably work up the nerve to just do this. Was I actually thinking about it? sneaky motherfucker. I know you're scared, baby. Actually, I know you're terrified. Your sisters said you would probably punch me in the forehead, and I'm not a huge fan of jumping off a bridge, but why don't we both be brave and give it a try? Why don't we walk up there and check it out? Why don't we let them strap us into the tandem harness? Why don't we keep putting one foot in front of the other because we're both scared of shit? but life after will be so much better than it was before the jump. I'd been fuming, staring hard out of the windshield, but something caught my attention. I rolled my head in his direction. Tandem harness? We really go together. I don't want to do this without you. I don't want you to do this without me. We aren't talking about bungee jumping right now, are we? He shrugged. We could be talking about several things, Esme, but let's handle one thing at a time. I'm getting out. In about five minutes, we're headed to the bridge. I'll let you decide if you're coming or not. Trey pulled the latch to his door and stepped out. The door thumped closed behind him. I watched him walk around the front of the vehicle and greet my family. I sat in the stuffy vehicle, watching him get along so easily and effortlessly with the people that I loved that loved me back. And I could admit to myself now that Trey belonged in that group. I sucked in a deep breath, my chest barreling with the intake to my lungs. Trembling, I reached for the latch, but the door popped open before I even touched it. Trey held out a hand. You coming? Yes, I'm coming, I answered with a thick tongue to loud, rowdy cheers. I let Trey help me from the truck. The door slammed shut behind me and then we were walking hand in hand toward the entrance to check in. Was I terrified? Absolutely. Did I think any of these people around me, behind me, would let me fail? Absolutely not. Trey and I stood on the edge of a bridge that overlooked the lake of still water. Toe to toe, we faced each other, strapped tightly into a tandem body harness. Our jump master passed back and forth, giving instructions, checking each team's harness, and collecting the waivers we had to sign before jumping. Now, he gave last-minute instructions. Lead with your head. Your head should be the first thing that leaves the platform. Those of you in a tandem harness, make sure you hold tight to each other to stay out of the way of the cord and the carabiners. Tuck your chin in and your head down until you have reached the bottom and begin to bounce back up. When your jump is complete, hang tight. He paused to chuckle. We will pull you back up to the bridge. At that point, you can jump again if you like. Some of our customers like to try one face in front and then one jumping backward. I'm only doing this shit once, I muttered. Bet he shot back. This is some one and done type of shit. He bent so that he could rest his forehead on mine. You good? Yeah. You? I'm good if you're good. feel like you might beat my ass after this, though. If we live, I might. I laughed and tipped my lips up to meet his. Trey, before we jump off of this bridge together, don't make it sound so dramatic, Is. I have to make it worth crossing off the list. Hush, I have something to say. Always. Anyway, I set out to cross ten items off of the list before I turned 40. Seven of them were silly. One of them I had every intention of skipping. I rolled my eyes up at Trey. He had the good sense to wince, then smile. Two of them were things I really wanted, but I honestly never thought I'd even get close. You took on my list like it was yours and made sure I never had to do any of those things alone, even the easy ones. I flew in an airplane. I quit a job I hate. I have an amazing sex life. Trey's head bobbed side to side. Mine's pretty good, too. I'm turning 40 tomorrow. I made it. We made it. We cost off every item. Sure did including number one. Trey's grin spread across his face like wildfire. Yeah. I returned his smile just as wide, just as bright. Yeah. Love you, Trey. You already knew that, though. I was scared because it's early. It's not, he said. I almost cried, watching his eyes gloss over. He said by your 40th birthday, and here we are. It's right on time. I love you, too. You do, woman? Yeah. I've been in love with you since you chose me to share something so deeply personal and then didn't want to share it with anybody else. I want to be the only person to share that with you, and I can't wait to find more absolutely terrifying shit for us to do together. Can we make this the last time we jump off a bridge? We can definitely make that a rule, but, um, what do you say we get this over with. I nodded, then closed my eyes and tucked my head into his chest. I tightened my arms around him and stepped even closer. Trey's arms closed and locked around me. I heard his voice in my ear and I fought back the tremble that wanted to climb up my legs. I was with Trey and my family. They would never let anything happen to me. I loved them. I loved him. I was safe. Okay, baby. Here we go. Three. Two. With a sudden jerk, Trey shoved us off of the bridge, and then it didn't even feel like a free fall. It was like floating on a cloud, except everyone on the cloud was screaming, including Trey and me. The fall was over way too soon. A violent jerk of the rope rebounded us before we hit the surface of the lake. I opened my eyes to take in the upside-down view of the wooded hills, the cloudy brown lake below, the peeling green paint on the bridge, my sisters, and everyone cheering with arms in the air. I love you, Esme, Trey screamed while we swung side to side. I laughed, suspended from a bridge on a very springy rope, strapped to a man I was deeply in love with. I was laughing. I love you, Trey, I screamed back. We had nothing but time until the Jumpmaster pulled us up, so we spent it lip-locked in a fiery kiss that gave me every indication of how the impending evening would go. The Jumpmaster began to pull our rope, bringing us up to the surface, then helping us back onto the bridge. Esme, Trey began while stepping out of his harness. I'm never doing this shit again. It wasn't that bad. I stepped out of my side of the harness and handed it to the jump master. Never. Maybe it should be your turn. Make a list of ten things you've never done. This can be number ten. Trey held out a hand. I slid my palm across it and wound my fingers between his. Being honest? I love you. There's not much I wouldn't do if you were there to do it with me. I love you too, and being honest, I rose up onto my toes to kiss him. I'm never doing this shit again either. We stood back to watch the others make their jumps, cheering Jada and Joe, and Jewel and Corey as they had cheered for us. O'Neill and each of the kids decided to do a single jump, so excited and energized that they were bouncing off of each other when they came back up. I think we're going to take the kids to ESPN Zone, said Jada. Let them run around and burn off some of this energy, then get some dinner. Y'all coming? Uh, Trey glanced over at me. I saw the look in his eye. It's your day, baby, so. Nah, I said, looking at Trey. We have to go be old and boring on a Saturday night. Okay, but, Jewel shook her head. Esme, you're the baby. I pulled both of my sisters into a hug, muttering low so they could both hear me. It's my birthday, and my present is dick. Tap, motherfucking tap. Don't call me. I'll be busy. All right, baby girl, said Jada. Don't hurt him. I hope y'all are staying at Trey's tonight, O'Neill grumbled as he walked past us. I have an early flight tomorrow. Wish granted. I grabbed my man by the arm and tugged him away. We climbed into the Acadia and waited for the system to readjust itself to Trey's presets. We gotta go be old and boring, huh? I grabbed his hand and tucked it between my thighs where he liked it, where I liked it too. Mm Mm-hmm. We gotta listen to grown folks' music on satellite radio. Go get some sushi from Ken's spot. And that chicken dish you like, Trey added. And fall asleep to love Jones after you fucking me into a stupor on my 40th birthday. You know what I always say. Trey slipped a pair of shades over his eyes, then leaned over for a kiss before putting the Acadia in drive and pulled out of the parking space. We both finished his usual saying, Ain't got to tell me twice. Epilogue Esme I couldn't see over the cardboard boxes stacked on the counters and in the corners of Trey's new kitchen. The house and everything in it still smelled like milled wood and plastic sheeting and the fumes of painted walls and freshly laid carpet. Trey sold his condo right before Thanksgiving, but the house wasn't move-in ready. The crew needed another month at the very least. His plan had been to bunk with Ken, but it pouted so hard that he changed his mind. He'd been staying with me for a few weeks, much to O'Neill's annoyance. When the house was finished enough to occupy, Trey was like a five-year-old on Christmas. Joe, O'Neill, and Corey showed up to help him move his things from storage. The place was a sea of boxes, but Trey couldn't be happier. The goal had been to wake up in his own house on his birthday, Christmas Day. It was Christmas Eve. He made it. Babe, where's the box with the... Trey shuffled into the kitchen, shirtless, a pair of cotton final lounge pants riding low on his hips. The Italian tile and wood floors were cold, so he wore slippers. He held his phone in both hands and tapped rapidly with his thumbs. The box with the what? The coffee beans, the grinder, the French press. I put them all in one box. Mm. I'll look around, he said, not looking up from his phone. Maybe it ended up somewhere. It said kitchen on it. or else would O'Neill have put it? When Trey didn't answer, I turned from a stack of boxes to find him chuckling and typing. Are you texting your Peloton girlfriend to tell her why you haven't been in her class? I snickered, knowing full well that his late nights with me didn't make for early mornings on the bike. I didn't hear Trey complaining. Besides, the bike had been in storage for over a month, and though it made it to the new house, It wasn't up and running. He laughed. Nah, it's Ken. Ooh, with his girlfriend? Yeah, she's coming to Atlanta with him, actually. Seriously? Ken had made several trips to New York and had been up there for the last week, but she hadn't come to Atlanta yet. This was huge. They're at JFK right now. Ato has that big thing tonight and he can't miss it, but he wasn't ready to say goodbye, so... Ken's restaurant was closed for a private dinner that would be a tour of Western and Japanese cuisine, seared steak, pork and mesquite chicken and turkey, a cornucopia of vegetables, coupled with rice, noodles, and grilled or tempura battered meat and seafood. Dre had been looking forward to it for weeks, and since it was his birthday, I was going, but I warned him that I was not going to be talked into eating food that smelled like standing water. She was off for Christmas anyway, so he bought the seat next to him. A first class ticket? On the fly? Trey nodded. I smirked. And he talks about you being a simp. Trey cocked a half smile. This dude goes from a girl in every city to falling for just one woman, then flying her around. Must be the Trey Pettigrew effect. Maybe you can have the same effect on my cousin. No. O'Neill is an unrepentant fuckboy. Okay, well, could you at least have an effect on that box? I need coffee. Brew bar is too far away now. Oh he set the phone down and wandered away. I went through the boxes again. I don't get it. The storage unit was empty so we didn't leave it. It must be somewhere. I found the box. I tossed up my hands and rolled my eyes to the ceiling. Great. How did it get in the living room? I grabbed the kettle from the box I'd packed it in, rinsed it in the sink, and set it on the stove. It took a few seconds to figure out how to turn the gas burners on the professional cooking range but a blue flame finally licked at the steel kettle. I turned around to find myself still alone in the kitchen. Really? Trey, what are you doing? I marched through the dining room and around the corner to the living room. If you're on the phone while I am suffering from caffeine withdrawal, I... I froze. Trey was still shirtless and in cotton lounge pants, but he sat cross-legged in front of the bare Christmas tree. We were supposed to spend the day decorating it. In his palm, he held a black box tied with a white bow. I gasped. Trey, you... You're not... Are you? It's not Christmas yet, I know. I was supposed to wait until we decorated the tree so it could be romantic, and it's actually my birthday, so you should be giving me a gift, but... He held out his hand, the box in his palm. I can't wait. Trey, what... What is actually happening here? Good things. Promise. Come sit. I sat next to him, and he handed me the box. Open it. I pulled the bow, then pulled the top off of the box. Nestled inside was a ring, white and rose gold with a polished ice mat finish and a band of diamonds around the edge. It was just enough. Oh, Trey, I gasped again, this time with a smile. Baby, this is gorgeous. Glad you like it. He took a breath and I knew what was coming next. So you're funny when you don't want to be proposed to yet. No, I want to be proposed to. It's just early. Not that I don't want to marry you. Definitely eventually. Baby, I have no doubt. It's coming, but it won't be a random Tuesday in December. And I haven't talked to your parents yet. You really don't need to talk to my parents, Trey. I know that, and you know that. We also know that my mother will lose her mind if I don't talk to them first. Do it right, Trey. I relented once I realized that he was right. I already loved Pamela, but she was set in her ways and quite old-fashioned. My parents would laugh at Trey asking for my hand, but they would also find it endearing. He needed all the help he could get since they was still a little raw that I quit my job over the deal with Miller and Pettigrew, never mind that my new job was much more rewarding. I just barely met them, and now I want their daughter to be my wife? He shook his head. I still wanted to get you something nice for Christmas, though, something that twinkles and glistens in the light. I smiled because, now I knew, engagement was imminent. The anticipation of when he would ask me was going to kill me. He gestured to the ring still in the box. You like it? Jada said you'd like it, so if you don't... He didn't get to finish his sentence. I squealed, bowling him over, climbing onto his lap and raining kisses across his face. When I pulled back, we were both grinning like idiots and overheated. Let's put it on. Then I can watch you overuse that hand all day, waving it around like you women do. He pulled the ring from the box, then slid it onto my finger. The fit was perfect, nice and snug. I held my hand aloft and took in the view. Jada did a great job. I love it so much. I love you so much. He leaned in to press his lips against mine. Oh, he pointed to the box that was clearly marked kitchen coffee stuff tucked behind the tree. There's that box that I hid from you so you'd come find me. Oh, thank God, I said as the kettle began to whistle. I climbed off of his lap. I'll make the coffee. You can watch this ring twinkle and glisten in the light. Trey followed me to the kitchen, then set the box on the counter and unpacked it. I took the press and set it on the counter. He pulled out a few bags of beans and the grinder, already measuring enough for both of us to have coffee. I poured hot water into the carafe and attached the lid. I had to wait for the coffee to brew before pressing the plunger anyway, so I turned, leaning a hip against the counter. Trey did the same across the kitchen, crossing one leg over the other. Well... O'Neal, y'all are fucking too loud. Whitaker will be happy that you'll be living here eventually. I giggled. I think he regrets telling me that I should check you out. O'Neal wanted you to check me out? That night when you brought my wallet to me and I ran you off? After I said you had a stick up your ass, he clicked his tongue and glanced, wistful, into the chandelier. That was such a romantic night for us. Hmm, something about how I reacted to you. He knew. Everybody knew. They kept working at it until I saw it, too, and then I couldn't stop thinking about you, girl. Same. He shuffled across the kitchen to stand in front of me, slid his arms around me. Now here we are. Here we are, I said to him, tipping my face out for a soft, lingering kiss. So, about when will we be where we are? Where we are being this house? I laughed. When am I moving in? You don't want to live in your own house by yourself for a while? His face folded in utter disgust. No. We have spent every night together for the past three months. I've been living with you for the past three weeks. Hell no. I do not want to live here by myself for a while. I want my girl here with me. Any badass Esme here. You know I like it when you call me that. Trey shrugged his shoulders. I won't push, but... I had a key made. It's at the bottom of that box the ring was in. Use it when you're ready, but as far as I'm concerned, this place is ours. I, I had to close my eyes and breathe, otherwise I'd cry. I will go pack my shit right now. I'm serious. He laughed, then leaned in for a kiss and stepped back. Let's have coffee first. I slid two mugs over to him so he could pour and then carried them to the island. Trey settled onto the high bar stool next to me. They'd been delivered the day before, so new that we hadn't even taken the plastic off of them yet. I sipped from my mug, shuddering at the strong blend. Ugh. I need to make a grocery list. You need coffee creamer. Trey stood, then walked to the refrigerator, pulling open one side of the shiny steel monstrosity. It was built for a person that entertained, that needed room for platters and rows and rows of food. The way Trey cooked, it would sit empty. Then again, I thought with a smile, the way I cooked, it could potentially be full all the time. He plucked a bottle from a shelf and brought it over. I brightened when I saw him twist the cap open and pour cream into my coffee. We have coffee creamer. Trey caught my eye, holding my gaze for several beats before recapping the container and walking it back to the refrigerator. Thank you, baby. Mm Mm-hmm. I swiveled around, reaching for him as he came back to his chair. He stopped, stepping between my legs and took my face into his hands, leaning in to brush his mouth against mine. He took his time, languidly caressing my lips with his, then went deeper, our tongues swirling. Kiss ended slowly when he pulled back so we could see each other eye to eye. He was so damn beautiful, from his full brows to the tight line of his beard along his chin to a deep brown skin tone and molded body. Trey Pettigrew was so worth the wait. You want to know something? Yes, Trey, I want to know something. So, there's badass Esme, right? And I love her. But there's another part of you that I'm fond of. She's soft. Very, very soft. I am in love with her. Soft? Me? Mm Mm-hmm. He moved his hands down my neck across my shoulder, down my chest to palm the heft of my breast through the cotton nightshirt that I'd slept in. He leaned in to kiss me again, whispering, these are soft, against my lips. He moved lower, rubbing his hands over the span of my hips and across my thighs. These? He chuckled, his head nodding appreciatively. Yeah, these are real soft. I love these. They're almost my favorite part of you. Almost. He smoothed his hands up my thighs, pushing my nightshirt up, then pulled, scooting me to the edge of the chair. I leaned back, clutching the edge for balance, letting him push my legs open further. Dre was already pulling the band of his pants down when he moved in closer and bent over me, possessing my mouth and my pussy. He lifted my legs and hooked them over his arms. I locked them around him, holding him in position while he thrust into me with hard, fast, deep strokes. Shit, baby, he ground out. His jaw clenched with the effort to maintain control. You are so soft. So soft for me. I love all your soft parts. Yes. A long, needy moan curled from him. He alternated between sweet, whispery kisses and nibbles that almost hurt moving across my shoulder and neck. I began a grinding circle to match his strokes. With his moans as the gauge, I sped up my movements, taking us higher until my head rocked back and my body pulsed. Oh my shit, that's good. So good, right there. Yeah. You glad you waited for me? I laughed. I didn't wait for you, Trey. Sure you did, he replied, grinning down at me while not missing a stroke. I came along and it was over for all them bros. Trey, I wanted to laugh, but I wanted to come more. Please, please fuck me. You close? I want to watch. I wrapped an arm around Trey and clung to him smiling at our rhythmic moans and hunches of his body against mine until he was still. Shit, he panted, pulling out after a few quiet seconds. He helped me rebalance so I didn't fall off the chair. What was that? Really? I grinned. You know what that was. And it was sexy as fuck. I'm glad we left the plastic on the chairs. We should leave it on until we have christened every room in this house. He let out a salacious grunt pulled up his pants and bent to kiss me. I like the way you think. I love you, Trey. I'm excited to live here with you and to definitely eventually marry you. Love you too, Esme. I sighed, stretching my limbs before I cramped up. I'll warm up our coffee. We need to decorate your tree, our tree Our tree, I corrected with a smile. Then we can talk about when I can tell Jada about the engagement ring that I want you to surprise me with that our lips met in a soft slow kiss let's get the rest of our lives started thank you so much for joining me for the reading of the never list by dl white it has been a journey from the beginning and really clunky audio and having to record on my phone and then getting the mic to work and editing and uploading and having to re-upload because I uploaded unedited audio. Wow. So I can now say that I am experienced in podcasting. And so here's hoping that future projects will sound better, that I'll be able to read them better, that you will get more from um, these episodes. I'm truly looking forward to A, taking a little break and writing my holiday short. Again, it's going to be called Still I Rise. I don't know if I told you that on the last episode, but it's going to be called Still I Rise, and we're going back to Potter Lake, and I'm very excited about that. That is the series that I never meant to write. Truly, Leslie's Curl and Die was only meant to be a standalone, and now I'm about to write book four and definitely have um, more books on the horizon there. So anyway... All of that to say, thank you for joining me. And um, I hope you have enjoyed hearing this book in audio. Until the next time that I see you, I hope that you take care of yourselves, um, get plenty of sleep, read lots of books, and uh, come back um, probably in December for Still I Rise.